Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. So, we've talked about what really the unity entails in the first one. Now, I want to look at a little bit, um, I want to look at some problems, but hopefully prefer some solutions, some guides that will help us going forward. At least, we want to use this as a way to prime the pump and then move on. Now, remember what we said, and the theme is, is not two but one, we are really speaking about unity. And we've said that unity, there's the ground zero level of it, the most important, the most fundamental, that's, help me, the four things, trust, commitment, mission, and and the legal. And then, but we then said, built on top of that, you have the expressions, the important expressions of unity from the ground level. And we mentioned five of them. What kinds of unions? Spiritual, sexual, social, geographical, and financial. All right. Now, who did that? I thought you guys were all, I was like, these people are really smart. All right. Now, but the unity, the one flesh union has two main counterfeits. Two main counterfeits, and that's what we should think about. Two main counterfeits. The first, um, one is uniformity. The other one is individualism. Uniformity and individualism. So let's take uniformity. You know how it is. I don't know, at least mainly here you're in Lagos, especially if you are Yoruba, and you're in the southwest. So you guys have planned the wedding. You've finally done the wedding. It's very nice. The next day is going to be what we call Thanksgiving. What is the distinct mark of the people that have gotten married in church? And cool. And call literally, not transliteration, but literally means uniform. <laughs> that is, for those who are not um, initiated yet, but believe me, you will do it. It's not by choice. I did it, not by choice. Is that both of you, after you've gotten married, the next day, you, you're already, your wife, most likely, is the wife. She will have sewn, she will have taken the same fabric, Sown um, uh, something for herself than for herself. And so then you now have to go to church together in the uniform. So that everybody will know, say, ah, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. And I always see the woman dragging him. Let them need to go and see that. That person, that one, that one. But look me and Emmanuel. Their own uncle has not even ended. Just take a look. You know, um, and it's a, uniforms are important. Our, when we go to school, primary school, you, um, secondary school, we wear uniforms. By the time you get to university, why don't we wear uniforms again? Because there's a sense in which now I am my own person. The symbolism that is there, the uniform in primary and secondary school is trying to say, look, we're allowing you to take your own decisions now. You are under our authority, we tell you what to do. In other words, we don't really care if you are united with our vision, our values, and our rules. What we care about is that you just conform. You see, unity, uniformity is not the same thing as unity. I'd like to give this example. Assuming, uh, 
What are the primary colors? Primary colors. Red, the four primary colors, yeah? Red, blue, yellow, and, and white, green. You see the all those. I knew they weren't smart people. I knew it. Why ah, ah. did they remember all of that? Nah. There are three primary colors. Okay, so the three primary colors are red and yellow. They can't even count. Red, blue, and all right. So let's assume you have. See, are you serious? So green is not there. It's not. So you have Debo and Funke. Apostle will hear about this, Funke. Right? They come together. If you have blue and yellow together, blue and red together, ideally, you should give you a secondary color when you mix them. What do you have? Purple. Purple. All right? With uniformity, you know what happens? If the man is yellow, if the man is red, and the woman is blue. They look like they're united. Do you know why? They don't appear as purple. They appear as red. With uniformity, you will see a form of unity, but it is that one of them is coercing the other to look like the other person. These are marriages where if you like, one exerts a lot of control. Sometimes it is hard control for the ones that are powerful. The other one can be soft control for the ones that are less powerful. They do the same activities, do the same clothes, but it's really one person's activity that always wins the day. I don't want to go out. No, we have to go there. We have to go there. Smile. You have not spoken to the other person. They look like they're united on the outside. They look like, oh, they have one color. It's true, it's one color. But it's the color of one other person. The blue is fully pushed and controlled and forced to become red. If you are in that kind of marriage and you are the kind of person exerting that control, please be careful. Because you see, you can't always be right. Now, before I say that, some people say, exactly, tell my wife I can't, she can't always be right. Quite often, the people that tell me, my wife or my husband always thinks they are right. That husband and wife, if you speak to them, they will tell you, the other person always thinks they are right. Please, let's be careful. The one flesh union is a one flesh union. Is not a one flesh uniform. The second counterfeit is individualism. Quite often I hear in well-intentioned but very misguided quotes from a lot of unmarried people or about to be married people or newly married people. They say something like this. Maybe I get married though. Nobody is going to change. No man is going to change. No woman is going to change me. You're not about to get married. Or you don't know the half of what marriage is. Marriage, by virtue of what it is in the beginning, is about change. The two become what? That is, you cannot be the same person that you were before when you came together. In, the, in our whatever analogy, uh, the, with the colors, it will just be like both of them remaining red and remaining blue. I do my thing, she does her thing. I have my wardrobe, he has his wardrobe. I have my room, he has, my, uh, he has his own room. It will be really like oil and water trying to live together. Now, oil, if you put oil inside water, it will be there, right? But you can see the oil very, very distinct from the water. And what they say is, no, we're only trying to express our individuality. I don't want to lose my individuality because now I am in a marriage. Here's the problem. Nobody can truly express their individuality alone. The one flesh union 
is not there to stifle our individuality. Rather, it is there to enhance our individuality. There is nobody that is seated here as an individual that is a product of themselves. You are a product of your teachers as you've interacted with them. You're a product of mentors as you've read their books. You're a product of your parents as they've tried to train you. You're a product of your pastors as they try to preach to you. You cannot be a person that has been formed in isolation. So when we come together in marriage, of course we are meant to change. Duh! You are trying to occupy a space together but it's only a space for one person. Two of you can't occupy that space together except two of you become united. So marriage or the one flesh union is neither, um, is neither uniformity nor individualism. Maybe I should say a little bit more about this individualism. It's two individuals unwilling to make sacrificial adjustment for formation. It's my own style of parenting. It's my own style of decorating. Your own style of decorating. So there is a sense in which we are united. We just happen to share the different things. But actually, you put your stamp on this way of doing things. And when the other person tries to say, just leave me, leave me with my own things. No. If you want to be left with your own thing, go and move into your own house. But when it is your house, both of you, your money, your children, the nature of taking these decisions together is also the nature of being formed and united with each other. When you live as individuals, as I remember a marriage I counseled two years ago, the lady called me and just said, I personally happened to be my friend, the lady said something like this, she said, we have decided to live as two roommates in the same house. Two, two housemates for the sake of our, of our child. And there are so many marriages like that. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled with what you see on the outside. Individualism leads to division. And here are some tips if you want to know whether or things to avoid uh, for not being divided. Or you want to know whether are we really divided in our home so that we probably need to seek counsel. Here are a couple of things to diagnose. Do you have, you have regular devotion time together? This, form, this is from our spiritual union. Oh, we laugh together, we do all these things. Do you pray together? Do you study together? Do you go to the Lord together? We do that in church, yes, not just in church. Two of you. Do you attend the same church? I know this is not always a simple decision. It's not like some people just decided, hey, I don't. You have this, some people have different beliefs. This is why for the people who are trying to be married, it's not just enough to say we are, we are all serving the same God, we are both Christians. No, 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 no. There are some things that in your Christianity matter. Some people say, I will never go to that church. The other say, I'll never go to that church. The wife say, I'll never go to that church. What's going to happen? And to just think, oh, well, at least we have dinner together, we sleep with each other, we do all of those things, that's not enough because your unity is not only on those levels. Do you regularly find out stuff about your spouse from others? I'm now, I'm not saying do you ever, but I'm saying regularly. Like, sometimes I say, uh, uh, Francis, maybe Francis will just be talking to um, uh, 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 Tosia and he will say something like, Okay, so when Femi comes back from that meeting, uh, I should be like, uh, what meeting? Be like, you know, the meeting at the big contract. You, you didn't know about it. So it's going to be like, I've seen that many times. And some people feel like, no, what's, what's even there now? I mean, that's his own transaction, and I'm doing my own. There is something fundamentally wrong there. Next one. Do you have sex regularly? And for, you know, because some people now start saying, hey, now, of course, now, uh, uh, we do it once every month. We are very regular, like, ah, somebody is suffering there. So I specified. I did you the favor of specifying. 
three to four times every week, and I am being, three to four times every two weeks, and I am being conservative. I'm being conservative. You see that? I'm sorry. Yes, Pastor, sorry. You have to. They are so, we, we are suffering. That's what we are saying. <laughs> really? Okay. After church, it was all nice. Sunday was great. We did it on Sunday. And then you are now approached on Thursday. And I'll be like, have we not done this week? <laughs> firewood. It's not firewood. I would say this is a good, a good, a good, a good, um, and, and I have to say it to ladies, honestly, seriously. It's when you, after you've, you, look, men suffer. If you have been pregnant before, eh, this is why I always tell people when they say, when the baby finally comes and they say, eh, a mother and baby are fine. What do you mean? <laughs> are they the only ones? They tell you that, they tell you, they say, for, for four weeks before the EDD, nothing, no. Six weeks after the EDD, nothing. Men put in a lot. And then when the whole thing has now ended, and I'll be saying, as you are getting towards that time, as just as you are approaching, you know, people have been planning, you've been doing all the, all the things they advised you. Don't just come, be wooing from morning to evening. You have done everything. Like, man, I'm so tired. And they'll do as they, they, they didn't know about it. I'm so tired this today. I don't even know how to You just start sending signals. I'm so tired. What tired? Give her energy drink. What are you talking about? Why? Now, yeah, please, no, not on Instagram, not, not this part. Don't post this part. But now, talking very seriously. Let us remove, and I'm not talking about people who have, there are people who have biological, physical issues. Part of what it means to be a sacrificial, loving spouse means you have to somehow adjust to that. So I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying sometimes we do deny each other, and the Bible is quite clear, you shouldn't. But it's not just what you are doing. Many women don't know that when you are rejecting your husband, what it does to him. Many women don't know that the person that will make your husband feel most as a man is not the people, is not the accolades outside there. It is you. And so when a man approaches you, what he has done is he's at his most vulnerable. He's at his most vulnerable. So when you reject constantly, for him to be able to build that up again, to be able to ask is a problem, it starts to separate you guys. Believe me, a very good meal is not the way to pay for the sex that you rejected last night. <laughs> Three to four times, just saying. <laughs> Are you aware of what each other earn? Do you have some access to each other's accounts? So remember I said, I'm not saying you must have joint accounts. I would personally recommend in healthy relationships that you should have joint accounts. General. Healthy relationship. I'm just personally recommending it. I'm not saying it is a must. But I would say this. To not know anything about the other person's finances is a problem. To not know what they earn. Uh, you start playing footy footy. Can you bring some money for this? I will have to check. I have to know. I don't know whether I, am, I can bring that. I don't know whether I can afford it. What can you afford? Well, I have to check. Who are you speaking with? That is a big problem. Who are you speaking? Why, who are you keeping all of this thing from? This will be somebody, if the person dies, who is going to will a lot of their, everything to you. You're going to be the, at least the executor of the estate. Why? Why this territorial marking? Yes, we can do all of these things together, but not this one. You can't see it. Now, if there's genuine reason for that, because some men or some other spouses have ruined the other spouse, I know that, then it's a time to seek counsel. It's not to say, I want this trend to continue. Next one. Are you living apart for more than two years and are you getting comfortable with it? Back to the geographical unity thing. I would say maximum of two years. This is not the Lord speaking, but I too have the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> but I cannot, and it's not just, it's not just 
that it is the two years. It is the fact that some people start getting comfortable with it. It's, they say stuff, I hear stuff like this, ah, we need to give ourselves space. We need to give ourselves, it helps our marriage when we give ourselves space, so I can do my own thing. The one flesh union does not understand the concept of space. The space is a space that is jointly occupied. Space belongs to both of you. You do your space together. Now, if for economic reasons and whatever, somebody has to be located in, in a particular place. I, I don't think I have permission to tell your story, do I? Your story. Slightly. You. Yes, I uh-huh. The guy was looking somewhere else. Okay, Francis and Nikechi, as we know, Francis and Nikechi, Francis and Nikechi got married, and at the time Francis was living in the UK, and Nikechi was here. It wasn't the most ideal situation. And so from that day, get go, fine, they both had very good jobs in very good companies, but from the get go, they started looking for, Francis was looking for one for Nikechi in the UK, she was looking in Nigeria, he never thought anything would happen. At the time, eventually, when she found the job, she found the job that he is he's having now. He was two years, he was a third into his PhD, a third into his PhD, and he was one year away from receiving permanent residency in the UK. I know the vast majority of couples will not even think about a leave. You will still spend one year. Who wants to be applying for visa? Because our considerations are so warped. Thank God they made the right decision. It was a sacrificial decision, but it was the right decision. Do you start getting comfortable with it? Or you are on a time and a path to be able to say, no, we have to tr- try to quickly recorrect this. Does that mean that it's going to cost you something? <laughs> the one flesh union is meant to cost you something. All right, do you regularly get updates from spouse? Uh, uh, you can move on. I think, is that the last one? Do you talk about big issues, spiritual biz, uh, journey, big business decisions, children's education, and then do you often talk about the mundane? Some couples, it's like this. They only, it's almost like they have board meetings with each other. You know what I mean? You don't gather your board to gist, the board of a company, right? They don't come to gist. They come to look at the big things. Operations, uh, the executive team run the smaller bit, they, then you have a management team under. They both come together, they drink tea, they put signatures down, you know, they do a lot, they say, okay, what's the CEO's skinny? That's how some couples are. No small talk. Like small talk, who has time for small talk? Like uh, the, the children, uh, the school fees have been paid? Yes. Um, where, are we having, uh, where, are we ha- where are we traveling this year? That, okay, good. Are you happy? Yes. <laughs> It. Eyes what? Opex. Opex. I'm serious. But they can't it, to to talk to talk to talk about even even look. If you are in that if you are in that situation, eh, try to do some big boom. gossip. Gossip is okay as a means to getting somewhere, right? Talk about your neighbor. They just bought a car. Just do something. Just talk about small small talk. Whereas some other people, small talk, small talk, small talk, small talk. But the big decisions, no, I can't consult her, you know, because, you know, as the man, I have to take those decisions as the leader. Or, ah, no, his own is providing, my own is the the children. So I do everything. Hey, he's in primary four. When? (laughs) You see what I mean? It's a sign of individualism. It is a one flesh union. It is not a two flesh arrangement. So how do we get out of this? Well, Sheka, do you shekas? No, that's between two. That one is youth people, so I'm not, uh, I don't get into primary matters. Uh. <laughs> but I like to ride Dayokasha. <laughs> you see, if you bring up the next this slide, when, when you, I, I don't remember if you remember your physics, for those of you that did physics and passed. Um, 
this white light, sunlight that we see, what we call white light, sunlight, right? We see it normally as just one color. But a prism disperses the light and shows us what is truly underneath, right? You have this spectrum that goes from the, the colors of the rainbow. Yeah, say it with me. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Yeah. Roy beef. They are, they are, they are just, it is dispersing. Now, notice this dispersion of light, it is not creating new colors of light. It is showing you the component parts that make the whole. Do you understand me? So, in our example here, what we want in one flesh union is neither the red becoming blue or the blue becoming red because that would be uniformity. Neither is it the blue and the red staying together because that would be individualism. It will be a purple, but that purple contains blue and contains the red. But it makes the red a little bit more like the blue and the blue a little bit more like the red. Let me give you an example. I am personally a private, what they call a private extrovert. My wife is what you call a private introvert, right? We both love our privacy, but I'm much more outward. She is inward. When we will be in church, not this one, but before. <laughs> my wife doesn't want to sit in front. Me, I want to sit in front. As we finish, me, I want to go and talk to like, hey, what's up? My wife wants to pull me back. I don't want this other person to come. Because if you leave me, maybe they'll come and talk to me. When are we going? We need to go. We need to go. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, there are people. They're not robots. These are, you know, let's say a social network. You know, you never know. It will pay off one day. <laughs> <laughs> and we struggled early on in our marital relationship. You know why? I was trying to make her an extrovert. She was trying to make me an introvert. But what the marital one flesh union is meant to be is this. And this is where our marriage has hit. At least it is so much better. I am still an extrovert, but I have been much more introverted. She's an introvert, but she's been much more extroverted. Because if you're an explicit extrovert, the truth is that you will say stupid things, and I used to say a lot of stupid things. You think I say stupid things to people now. You didn't meet me a number of years ago. She has, she has tempered down. Like, it's like you, you, you talk before you think. Like, how do you say that? You see, the introverted part of her, it tempers me, and guess what it's doing? It is enhancing my individuality. I am, not I am changing, but I am changing better because of her. And she has had to now learn to be much more outward focused. It is nice to have people and talk to people. So if you come to our home, our home is now a much more hospitable home that still maintains some privacy. I probably would love to have people, you know, six times in, a, in, in every week. Six days of a week. She probably will never want to have anybody. <laughs> so if I agree to open the home two times in a week, you see something like that. Now, I'm now, this is not a joke, because some of you that have come, some of the younger people that have come to stay in our house, you know that she's the one that invited you. She's changed for the better. And that's what it's meant to be. Sometimes it's not just that it is, it is the sin aspect of us. You see, the intro, the, the, the individualism, there are two types of people you find in marriage, but the Bible tries to present one more. But you have the bystander, that's the one that comes out of individualism. Me and my spouse. My spouse does my thing, I'm a bystander. I just look, you have to be able to form your own self and all of that. We are in an arrangement. Or you have the rescuer. God sent me into your life to change you.
So for instance, in certain things, right, how do you know, how do you see rescue and and um, and, uh, and 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 the bystander? For instance, the rescuer is always correcting every single thing. You can't miss it. Why did you stand that way? Why did you sit that way? Why didn't you pull up your trousers? Why didn't you? Why did you talk that way? Have you ever heard your voice? Why did you always correcting for every single thing? Whereas the bystander never corrects at all. Because if I correct, this will give the other person an opportunity to correct me. And what if I try to correct and the person pushes back? It's confrontation. I don't like confrontation. Next one. But the partner is what God wants. When I say partner, is this. We believe that only God, and I'm using the gospel now, it is God the Holy Spirit that conforms us into the image of Christ. It is God that does that change. But he doesn't do that change without us. In so doing, we are there as partners with God to see this person conform to the image of Christ. When you have that mindset, then you ensure that we take a longer horizon, submitting to God's timing. You correct with patience. I used to be a rescuer. At least those are my tendencies. And I want to, you know, you, the thing she said, I want to get to the nitty-gritty of it, and I want to talk about the motivation, and I want her to be able to now say, yes, this is why I did it, and then apologize, and then say she's never going to do it again. You keep pushing, and she'll be like, I can't continue to, she'll be like, I can't, we can't keep talking about this thing. But if you submit to God's timing, you will wait. You will feel, I don't have to always correct it. You will say it gently. You will think about how you say it. But you will also have patience because where your strengths are, you didn't get there in a day. And so you don't expect the other person to get there in a day. Another example. The rescuer always uses themselves as an example. You know yourself. Because if it were me, I wouldn't have put it in this place. You know me, I never ever lose things. You are the one that's always, if you only, you just put the plan here. Why don't you put a plan in Excel? Why must you always be making a mental note? Can you always remember everything? Do it this way. Follow me. I'm sorry, babe. You don't have to always do it in Excel. I'm sure. <laughs> always saying, you use yourself as an example and you are the standard. Whereas the bystander Un, is unable, they never want to use themselves. No, no, nobody should follow me, or nobody should follow me. Everybody does, you know. <laughs> Humility, they call it. <laughs> but if you are meant to be growing in maturity, how can you never say, oh, Paul was certainly not a bystander. Follow me, what? I said, follow Christ. What would a partner do? It points to Jesus as the ultimate example without shying away from using themselves as examples. If you continue to use yourself as an example all the time, then you are trying to be Jesus in the person's life. If you never use yourself as an example, then you are saying Jesus is not in your life. Next one. The rescuer is never able to compliment their spouse. Ever. When they did that good thing, it was incidental. You just didn't notice it. You're just waiting for the next time they don't do it well. And obviously, the bystander never able to compliment their own selves. What does partner? A healthy relationship. I always know when I know a healthy relationship. I can spend three minutes with a couple that come to church for the first time, and you know whether they're healthy or not. First sign. Most of the time, the husband is talking about how great the wife was. Oh, ah, it was my wife that helped us find this shirt. I would have been late if not my wife. You don't come and you start giving the public things. But the other ones, you'll be saying something like, Infoonish, you listen to me more often. If you are geared towards complimenting your spouse, even if your, your spouse is not perfect, you notice the 30% they do, and you treat the 30% like 70%. And the 70% they don't do well, you treat it like 30%. In time, the 30% will become 70. The problem with most of us is that we see the 30% that is bad, that is good, that is bad, the 70% that is good. We treat the 30% like it is a 70% bad.
frustrated and therefore always tr even tries harder to change their spouse, frustrated for trying so long. I've given up. I don't want to, I don't want to try and change this person again. He's irredeemable. I've left him to God. This person, you don't understand. This person cannot change. You are naive for hoping like that. This person, I know this person. I have stayed with this person. There's somebody that knows that person more than you. You see, sometimes if you want to see your marriage restored, you cannot trust. One is not asking you to trust the person. We're asking you to trust the God that is able to change the person. Now, again, I'm talking about people, if, do you see that this person is at least willing to follow God in some way? I'm not talking about somebody that's giving up on God. But trust the other person. This is what it means to be in partnership. I hope there's no other. Oh, oh, yeah, hardly prays for their spouse, believes in their ability. No, 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 no. Why, why, why should I pray when God has given us brains? It's not about prayer. You just need to follow these steps. You just need to follow these steps. We shouldn't waste time on prayer. We should, we should use prayer for big, important things. And you've not understood the heart of prayer. I hear many people that come complain, 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 complain about their spouse. When last did you pray? How often do you pray for them? Make that a mantra. Pray before complain. And hardly prays for their spouse exhausted. They're just exhausted. This person can't change. You see, all of these, and I'll say a little bit more. I'll give us some. I'll go to the different levels. I may repeat some things. But this is drawn from Ephesians, the thinking behind this. Remember I said as Christians, we think in a Christian way. It affects our worldview. This patience, all of these things, is the fruit of the Spirit. And so you have to take the long-term view. The change that God is trying to make is an eternal change. So you can't expect the thing to, even when you have, it has not changed in eight years. There are some people that had the first 10 years of their marriage was horrible. When they talk about the, the second 10 years, it is so sweet. And that's just thinking in, year, in temporal terms. Now, if we want, if you're committed to restoration, and if you are going through challenges in your marriage here, if you're committed to restoration, and I hope that we are committed to restoration, one of the most frustrating things I find is when I'm facing people who are married, are going through terrible marriages, but then is the wife that comes for counseling. That's frustrating. I say it's you that, need the, that needs the counseling. But if you both are committed to this, then let me suggest some things at level zero. So now we're going to look at level zero and level one. At level zero, trust. You know the reason why e-commerce still hasn't exploded, has still not exploded in Nigeria. E-commerce, right? Take this for example. I want to buy this thing. All right, pay here. 80,000, pay here. How should I pay? Like you put your card and you put it. So if I do that, the money goes. Yes. When do I get this thing? Three days time. Waka. <laughs> Me. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I don't give you 80,000. Who are you? It's... It's just, it's, just, it's just ink. It's this computer. I don't even know the person. <laughs> On the other side, many people are like, okay, where are you? Okay, I want to buy this thing. Okay, I'll bring it. Where are you? I live in Sokoto. How much is it? 250,000. Uh, sorry, uh, 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 1.2 million. So when you come, I'll give you the money. From Lagos to Sokoto. Uh, no. <laughs> no. What's going on there? What is the thing? The most important currency for any relationship is trust. In commerce, commerce, everything is based on a single currency of trust. If I give them the money, would they deliver? It's painful to say this. Some of you, the other spouse, you don't believe the other spouse has earned the right to, for you to trust them. I was saying to someone this week, if you are totally blinded by your distrust in this person, prejudice like that has neither eyes nor ears. 
If the person is trying, you will say the person is doing it for their own gain. If the person makes a mistake, you will say the person is doing it out of spite. They hate me. Without that trust, no one can help you. So I'll ask you this. If your spouse is willing to even say, I want to see where Jesus can help me, can you trust the Jesus there? Even if you can't trust that person, can you trust the Jesus to start a process? Now, some of you need, you can't do it on your own. You may need somebody to step in, to intervene. But that person is only a conduit, hopefully if they are wise people. They are conduits to be able to give counsel here and there, to be able to separate you guys in certain things, but it is ultimately Jesus, the Holy Spirit. But you need the trust. The fascinating story in Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, where it says Jesus entered into his hometown, and he did not do miracles there. Why? Because of their unbelief. If you can trust God for your marriage, that is the gateway to them building the trust in your spouse. Second, mission. Guys, it's really, the unifying power of mission is amazing. There's some couples I see, they don't, they don't do financial transactions together. I know one, an older couple, where when things were really good, they bought, so many, they bought a lot of land together. They bought um, so many different things. One of the ways that we could see that the other person started an affair was like in five years, they made no financial investments together. Because the heart was somewhere else. Some of us probably don't know what that spouse gives to church. That's their own thing. With the education of your children, what plan do you have to see, to see this child? How do you want this child to be developed? Just having a common mission together unites you. But then, can I say this? Can you actively talk with your spouse about the mission of God? Because understand this, God sent Jesus Christ on a mission. Whatever your economic, your ambitions, all of those things that we are pursuing in this world, yes, it's true, all of those things. But as Christians, we are subsumed under the mission of Christ. God sent Jesus Christ, and when Jesus was returning, he sent the church. He said, as the Father has sent me, so what? I am sending you. If you both are united under the mission of, of, of advancing the kingdom of God together, you have invited the Holy Spirit into your life. That Holy Spirit is going to try and sort out your marriage. Sorry, I used try. That Holy Spirit will sort out your marriage. As you pursue something larger than yourselves, as you pursue something more noble, you will care about even the witness. I know some people that have come to meet me, they say, look, we're not... <laughs> They said that we're not doing counseling. Why? Because I can't counsel people when my marriage is in shambles. Forget the fact that we look great outside. But I can't counsel people. So if you're going to counsel people and that responsibility is going to be put on you, then you say, oh God, you have to sort out my own first. Let's be united in the kingdom of God. That mission itself brings about unity. Now, of course, I'm not going to talk about the legal one because you're already legally committed to each other. And then finally, let me talk on level one. And with this one, let me say this again. As you sort out level zero stuff, please, it is important for you to take note of being intentional of sorting out some things at level one. You have to be intentional. At, in the initial stages, sometimes it doesn't feel very natural. And believe me, you don't sort things out in your life only when you feel like it. Sometimes what happens is you are intentional. You don't feel it, but in the repetition, the rhythm, the feelings then start to come. Do you understand me? Most of us, when we start learning to swim, it, it looks so ugly. It looks so ugly. You are pushing, splashing water everywhere. But as you continued, what was a mechanical thing started to become fluid. There is what habit does to us. The constant rhythm brings something in. So I'm going to list out a number of things. I won't talk a lot about all of them. I'll just list them out to, to close this. And I'm not trying to say this applies to everybody. And I'm also not trying to say, once you do this thing, everything will be sorted. Remember I said you are sorting out level zero. And hopefully, 
as you start taking these intentional steps at level one, then you will start to see the Holy Spirit work in your lives. Okay? So, the first one is at the spiritual level. Give room for individual and make time for collective devotions. Let me say this straight. Some of you, your marriage is in shambles because you are not having your personal devotions and both of you are not praying together. Simple. Simple. So, in the morning, if your spouse says, this is the time I feel like I can really pray and whatever, create room. Don't allow the children to come. If you are the afternoon person, allow that person to be able to do it. My wife knows. First thing that I, I do, first thing I have to do as I wake up, pick my phone, start my Bible reading. She never, ever interferes. It's such a grace she gives to me. She just waits. I used to read in. I used to read in. I, she knows after reading and praying. It's a grace. She just said, no, this is the time. And I'm sure if she notices I'm not doing it, she's going to tell me. Don't be bystanders and uh, shouldn't he know that he should be reading his Bible? If they're not, they shouldn't. But secondly, you must each keep each other accountable on are we praying together? Are we praying together? The couple that prays together stays together. It's old. It sounds very, very cliche The reason why it's continued, you know why? It's often true. It's often true. Pray about the church thing if divided, and people have been able to sort this, and at the same time be part of a healthy church, attend regularly to serve and to be served. Too many people, too many of us just think, yeah, we can do this thing on our own, blah, blah. My wife and I, we pray. That's not the only thing. God gave you the church for a reason. And if you feel the church is not serving you in any way, serving other people, please come and serve the church. Because this is where you get your spiritual development, which then plays into your role at home. All right, the social. Please, be a bit smarter. The odd thing that you can, you just say there, somebody is cracking a joke on your husband, and you all of a sudden, you don't see this, you, you only see the seriousness of it, and you just say, that one, does he even know anything? Now again, there's a certain sense of humor, if any of you that spent time with my wife and I, you probably just wonder, are these people, you know, I mean, the insults, they flow just generally, right? Only they flow in one direction, but we won't, call, we won't, we won't say where that direction is. But there's a, comfort, there's a comfort level there because we know that we are like we're joking. It is, we love each other so much that we can be that serious. But sometimes, as I've observed, it is actually quite serious. You see it in, with, with, with people as they express it. There are certain things we do in public that really hurts your spouse. Be careful of the odd mannerism and the thing, that small thing that you say outside. Don't wait to respect your husband until he does only what you want. Wives, respect your husband. And that command comes not just until he's respectable. Yes, I know some of them are not, some men are not very respectable. They don't, they don't carry themselves with respect. But must have some respect. Give them some. For adventure that you give it to them, they start becoming respectable. But my point is this. You are doing it as unto the Lord. You are doing it as unto the Lord. When a wife disrespects her husband, privately and publicly, you are hitting. It's very funny how it's not saying that men should not respect, husbands should not respect their wives, because the Bible expects that. And as we will get to the husband one, it's not saying that wives should not love their husbands, but it's saying that both of them are uniquely challenged in this particular direction. And that's why he says it. Not only when you feel that he is worthy of it. Don't turn your kids against him. Don't turn your kids against him. Be careful what you say to the kids. Be careful what you say around the kids. Express the good things he does for you, to him, and to others. Don't assume. Sometimes, like, hey, of course they know that. He knows that I, 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 I appreciate it now. Communication is both with our bodies and with our mouths. Don't make it an either or. Don't say, well, my own way of expressing is with my body. I say it. After all, I gave him sex how many times? Three times in a week. 
That's enough thanks. You're still waiting for me to say thank you. Communication is both with our bodies and with our mouths. Husbands, love. You say you love your wife. How often do you take, God, take her to God? Now, I want to be slightly dogmatic. If you love your wife, you really love her, I don't just mean that you just pray for her. Lord, bless my wife in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray for my wife all the time. Lord, be a covering around her. Amen. Really? I say this. Pray, pray at stretches at least once a week. You know what that does? It expresses you love her, but it makes you love her more. When Tosi and I were dating, I often say this, the most intimate thing she ever said to me, because I, never, I didn't used to do this, she said that she regularly, I met they said, I regularly pray for you. I was stunned. I was stunned. Why would somebody regularly pray for me? Okay, it's one thing, you write to me, you do, but you pray. Do you know what that means? She's saying that the most important relationship she has, the most important and most sacred relationship she has, she loves me so much that I come into that sacred space regularly. If you do that, not only are you expressing you love this person, it will deepen your love for that person. Constantly ask, what can I do that will make her happy? Not what can I do that I think will make her happy. You may think buying another car for her will make her happy. It may. It may. But quite often we give, we give our, our wives the gifts that we think because it was so expensive, because it took, she may need something smaller. For some of you, just, why don't you just stay with the kids for a while, please? That one costs so much more than, uh, than 100000 from you. So, you know, I bought her this, I bought her that. I don't, do you understand? What will make her happy? What will make her happy? That she can say, this made me happy. And if you don't know that, that's part of the problem. So go and ask her. Don't love your wife out of self-centeredness, but from self-sacrificial motives. Jesus Christ laid down his life for his bride. Move on. Express the good things she does to you, uh, for you to her and to others. Don't assume. Don't assume. Say it together. Don't assume. Say it. Say it as she leaves. The thing that you told her, then you now call you, the friend you met, man. This is my wife. This is what she does. If you see what the cake she baked the last time, if you see how she took care of our child, if you see, just see it. Let it liberally come out of your mouth. At this point, it may be mechanical because you've not been doing it. Human beings, we are creatures of habit. We can train ourselves. After you posted all the stupid jokes on Facebook and the stupid jokes on Twitter, say something about your wife there. It may be corny. People may look like, ugh. She will not find it corny, believe me. Celebrate her. For those of you who say, I don't, do, I don't do Facebook, I don't do, okay, the one time you go visit there, even though you like checking people's uh, accounts, let's leave that one. The one time you do it, put it there. Put it on WhatsApp. Put it there. I know, yes, you like the Bible. Yes, the Bible says that you should love your wife. Put some things there about your wife, too. And don't ever be, ever bully her, nor ever shout on her as a means of displaying your leadership. That won't be leadership. I spend most time, that's the way, where, because that's much more practical. But then let's take the last two. I'll rush through this. Geographical, set a date and a timeline for permanent, where are we? Set a timeline for permanently living together and then vigorously pray and act on it. When I say vigorously pray and act on it, I believe Francis and Katie were praying and that's how a job came. Do you understand? You say, ah, there's no church in this place. I know somebody in this church, right? They were separated, the, person, um, the couple was in another country and, um, and the other one was here. And the main thing that had been, the main thing that, had, uh, that didn't cause the other person to come was church. Because the person was part of a particular church that they really liked. I said, I don't want these Nigerian churches. And somehow, God took us at night to that place to visit that church. And the person saw, I think I preached there, and that was the clincher. The person said, I'm coming back. You don't know what the prayers will do. So set a timeline. Don't just say, well, if all this, eh, eh, set the timeline. We can't allow for more than two years, or we can't allow for more than one year. Act, pray on it, and then act. Someone may have to sacrifice, of course, 
invest in traveling down whilst you are separated. Don't say, how much are we spending? This is so much money. Keep invest. Just be pouring the money in. Be pouring the money in. You guys have to be visiting each other. Visit. Uh, I know one other couple like this. They live in um, uh, a, a country where the two cities are separated. Yes, he has one house, but he comes over the weekend. He comes on Friday, leaves on Monday. Then he will come on Tuesday night, leave on Wednesday morning to come back Friday again. You know how much that's costing them, and he's still keeping a second apartment. The investment or the land or whatever that they buy, when both of them are then separated, they will fight over that land. Inform your organization of your willingness to be with your family. Sometimes some of us don't think that organizations will care. Just tell them. Be looking for another job. Don't get too comfortable in the other apartment. Don't buy comfortable furniture. <laughs> don't buy a lazy boy. Don't start putting, you know, you can set the whole place like a home, and then you start saying, I prefer my house to our house. Need for greater accountability. When you are away, when you are away, you start getting having great friends in the other place. Somebody that works here in, in consultancy told me, said, because a lot of these consultants, they have to travel together and go and you know, work on people's accounts. They stay in the same hotel. They work from morning till night. They'll be working together in the same hotel. Because of that, it is an open secret in consultancy that colleagues just sleep with each other. Just sleep with each other. Why? Because they were becoming good friends. As they were solving the Excel, whatever, and I'm like, so how did you even, how did you get this job again? Tell me about your family. You think talking about someone's family is, is a very, most of you, that you start falling for each other, right? After the whole, she's fine, you can, it's when they start asking about your family. And like, you're kidding. And then the next time he met you, he, remi he remembered about all your, your siblings. Like, he really remembered, he cares, he cares. <laughs> By the time you get the flower, it's not, he loves me, he loves me not. It's all, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. <laughs> you now want to go and take that one with your own colleague. Tell me about your family. Ah. <laughs> Finish the work, do it in the outside kidney, and go. As you, in fact, as you are doing it, do you know what I'm doing now? You've been texting your wife. Do you know what I'm doing now? And with one day, we are solving this particular thing. My wife says hi. Do you want to say hi to her? She's here. <laughs> you do that. I'm telling you, platonic relationships quickly escalate and becomes, oops, I fell, and ooh, wow, baby. Ooh. <laughs> How did that happen? Now, final, final, the financial unity. Yes, some of us need to have joint accounts. Some of you already trust your spouses. You do. You do. It's not like you're not. So have it. And the way my wife and I do it is we have a, a, a um, the income comes in to one account. There's the account for the house that you, all of the, and then we, then we have personal accounts. And then, um, um, what do you call it? Allowance goes there. And then that one, you can buy present for me. Use that one to buy present for me. Do you understand? So I'm not saying now, again, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just recommending the Bible. Say some of you can do that. Can. Can. So that you can know what's there. Somebody always still manages the finances. One person should probably manage the finances. But both of you can. We're healthy. You should know what you should know. Uh, you, should be, you should be knowing what each other earn. I've said that. Stop saying my money better, our money paid to me. Take big money decisions together, even when you could on your own. And I think that's the last thing, right? Is that last one? Ah, sexual unity. Now, I've already spoken about this. Real pain, don't use other excuses. If it's real pain, all right? If you really have pains, that's a serious thing. Seek medical attention. But don't start, don't, don't start making a small headache feel like it needs Panadol extra. Guys always have Panadol extra, it helps. <laughs> Just have it there, like, hey. <laughs> if I buy the active fast one, the active fast, three minutes, there's nothing they can say. Um, look for alternatives. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> like, and please, 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 this is still a sacred space. Don't allow funny things to start into your mind. I, I, I honestly, I think it may be, I, I think it may be, I know a Christian, a, a pastor, a, a couple where the wife has Crohn's disease, and so because of that, they can't have, um, 
just the normal kind of uh, uh, sexual union. So they said they had to look for alternatives. So if that is it, is this a good explanation? <laughs> All right, okay, just forget it. Forget it. Ah, you guys, dirty mind. Set timetable. Set timetable is good, all right? Don't, 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 not, and try to avoid Friday night because the whole week has whatever, right? Think early, think early like in the week, and think, eh? And then avoid evenings because somebody is sleeping, they say we want to get it. So think, be creative. It could be mornings, it could be what have you, you understand? But set a timetable. Eventually you can fall into a rhythm. But don't, you, look, people don't just, some people don't just stumble into it. Right? Men, we don't need any convincing about the thing. As in, there's no, but women don't just stumble into it. So sometimes they follow that timetable. And then hopefully, if you develop the rhythm, you start to um, um, uh, know, you know, enjoy it a little bit more, all of those things, and then it can be a bit more fluid. So let me say this finally. <laughs> Gosh, this has spoiled my, I don't know how it appeared there. <laughs> Guys, we've laughed a little bit, but I say this. I said at the very beginning that I think unhealthy marriages are the greatest social challenge we have today. I won't even put poverty. I won't put poverty because I believe there are a lot of poor people who are happily married and it's that marriage that even sustains them. People have, I know a couple, the, the wife, because the wife was cheating on him, the wife multiply stabbed him, like brutally murdered him. People are committing suicide because of all of these things. Now, some of us are not there. Some of us is just, you're so unhappy. I've not tried to put these tips, just, these are tips, but remember we're talking about level zero. I remember I say that it is the Holy Spirit that changes us. Please think about these things. And may the Lord himself restore the marriages that are sleeping. May the Lord himself revive the marriages that are on life support. And for those of us who are enjoying our marriages, may the Lord continue to strengthen those marriages through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.